An angel would appear to her, and Gabriel would say, guess what? You are pregnant. That's when, if you're the the 15-year-old girl, you want to say, whoa, 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 time out. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for this. I just want to marry Joseph. And oh, by the way, this whole pregnancy thing could very much put that into jeopardy. And you're telling me not to worry? You're telling me do not be afraid? Notice that the very first thing the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, has for Mary is that imperative. It's a command. Do not be afraid. And yet Mary, she really could have been afraid. Because the first century world was a whole lot different than our world. And in the first century world, if you were engaged and you were pregnant out of marriage, uh, that was shame. You would feel shame not for a day, not for nine months. You'd feel shame and your family would feel shame probably for the rest of your life. But Gabriel has good news. Gabriel says, don't be afraid. It's all part of God's master plan. And I love from verses 29 and 30 and 31 and 32, the promises that Gabriel pours out to Mary. You found favor with God. You're going to be with child. You are blessed. You are blessed. And so along these lines, Mary says, okay, that's great, but I've got to ask a question. How can it be? And the angel says, it's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a God thing. And then right there in verse 37, one of the greatest promises in all of the the Christmas narratives, really in all of Scripture, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Will you say that with me? Nothing is impossible with God. One more time. Nothing is impossible with God with God. Do you believe that? Do we really believe that nothing is impossible with God? Or are we guilty of putting God in a preconceived box and we say, God, you can do this, but I'm just not so sure I really think you can do that. Mary learned firsthand that nothing is impossible with God. And so I want to leave a question just kind of to float in your mind and float in your heart today and and really all this week and the rest of this, I guess we could call it the holiday season. And here's the question that, that pertains to the life of Mary. How can our faith sustain us during difficult seasons of life? Mary never dreamed this was going to be her story. But it was her faith in God that sustained her and propelled her to be what I believe is one of the great heroes of the faith. Now, now we, we get nervous when we talk about Mary, and you know we don't want to worship Mary, and all of that. But I think we have undersold the value of Mary. The, the, the greatness of Mary, this very ordinary teenage girl that God used in an extraordinary way. For some of you, 2015 was a year of trials. It was a year of circumstances you didn't want to experience and you don't ever want to experience again. You just can't wait till New Year's Eve hits here and you know the, the song is sung on New Year's Day because you're just ready for a new year. 
Because this year has really stunk. And for some of you, it's been your faith that has sustained you. Even in the midst of the storms of life, even in the midst of the valleys that you've experienced, your faith has sustained you. For some of you, you're here today and you're grinning ear to ear because life's about as good as it possibly could be. And I want to tell you, next year could be your year of storms. 2017 could be your year of storms. Are you prepared? Do you have a faith that will be able to sustain you in difficult seasons of life? Mary, an incredible woman of faith. Well, lesson number two, character number two, is that guy we know as Joseph. Joseph was a man of integrity despite a very painful problem that presented itself. So I'm going to ask Morgan to come, and she's going to read for us Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, we consider Mary and all that she was going through. Well, put yourself in Joseph's shoes for just a moment. I mean, you are, verse 19 says, a righteous man. The, 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 the original word is the word sadiq. Say that with me, sadiq. Say that one more time like you mean it, sadiq. Sounds like a condition that you know, need to go see Dr. Klein for, but, but it's really not a condition. It is the idea that I'm going to be a righteous man. I'm going to know the law. I'm going to live the law. I'm going to love the law. That's Joseph. He's Mr. Righteousness. That means that when Friday night rolls around and the Sabbath begins, he's not keeping his carpentry shop open. Even though he might be able to earn some extra money, he's not going to do it. Because the law says you're not working on the Sabbath. That means even though my favorite sandwich is a ham and cheese sandwich, he's not eating ham and cheese because it goes against the law. That's Joseph, Mr. Righteous, Mr. Sadiq. And so his fiance, who he probably doesn't know very well, again, arranged marriage. By the way, I find this fascinating. Um, I have met some new friends, and, and they are the result of an arranged marriage. She grew up in Pakistan. He grew up here in America. Their parents arranged it. And like when I met her, I was just kind of like, really? That still works? And she goes, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And maybe that's where we're going wrong, some of us. Maybe we need to go back to the arranged marriage. Probably not. Okay, we won't go down that road. But it was just kind of fascinating. So back to the sermon. Um, Joseph has this little sit-down with Mary. And Mary says, um, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And you let me know what you want first. And he goes, well, you know, let's start with the bad news. Let's end with the good news. And before he can even get that out of his mouth, she says, I'm pregnant. And that is bad news. That's bad news if you're someone that knows the law and lives the law and loves the law. Because you've read Deuteronomy chapter 22. 
And you know that when your fiance is pregnant out of wedlock and you've had nothing to do with it, the law says that you're to take her to the city limits and you are to stone her to death. You are to expose her to public disgrace so that all people in the city, all people in the village would know she's a fornicator. And that goes against God's will. And we're going to put her to death. Now, the scripture says that Joseph didn't want to do that. He wanted to just kind of quietly divorce her so as not to expose her to public disgrace. You're probably sitting there saying, didn't you say they were just engaged? Didn't you say that the wedding ceremony hadn't taken place yet? That's right. In this day, in this age, engagement's a big deal. And even if you're just engaged and you break it off, you have to go through a legal separation. It's a legal process. A divorce. To separate before you're even married. And so Joseph, he's worried. He's a small business owner, more than likely. He's got his carpentry shop. And for a small business owner in the first century world, there's one thing that will sustain you. There's one thing that will tell the difference between success and failure in your small business. And it's your integrity. It's your character. It's who you are, not just during synagogue worship, it's who you are all the time. 24-7. And if you're someone that knows the law and lives the law and loves the law, and oh, by the way, your fiancé is pregnant, you know what? I might not go to Joseph the carpenter's shop after all. I might go to Jacob the carpenter or David the carpenter or Daniel the carpenter or Jonah the carpenter, but I'm not going to Joseph the carpenter because he's saying one thing and he's living his life another way. So Joseph He's just done with it. It's just over. I've heard enough already. I'm done. But I can almost hear Mary protesting. Wait, I've got good news. I've got good news. Yes, I'm pregnant, but here's the good news. God is the Father. What? God is the Father? Are you kidding me? You couldn't come up with a better excuse than that? God is the Father? Do you think I was born yesterday? But sure enough, just like with Mary... Joseph has this encounter with an angel of the Lord, as Morgan wonderfully read. And in it are some incredible, incredible promises. He starts with, do not be afraid. He starts with, I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. I know you're angry. I know you're worried. I know you think that you're not going to be able to stay in business, but do not be afraid. Mary's with child. And it's okay. It's all part of God's master plan. You jump down to verses 22 and 23, and we see this incredible fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah. The virgin will be with child, give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's awesome. But I want you to jump back to verse 21. It says, Mary will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, you will name him. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This baby boy is not just an ordinary baby boy. He's going to save our people from their sins. See, I think one of the real challenges at Christmas time is to try to figure out, are we just playing Christmas? Are we just playing church? Or, or is it real? Does it connect? Is it real for me today? And friends, we live in a, bro a lost and broken world. You know that. I, I don't have to tell you that. 
And sometimes when people least expect it, their world turns upside down. And maybe, just maybe, the reason that you're in the life circumstance that you're in is so you can make a difference in the life of someone. I believe that people's spiritual antennas are really at attention primarily at two times in the calendar year. One of them's around Easter, and one of them's around Christmas. And I will tell you how I live my life and how you live your life will tell just as much of the Christian story as what's preached in a sermon or taught in a lesson or sung in a cantata. It's how we live our lives. It's how we go about our job at work. It's how we go about our activities at school or on the basketball court or in the cheerleading or whatever it may be. It's how we live all the time. Nothing is more frustrating than when people see someone claiming that title Christian and they're just a mean person. They're just not nice. And so here's my challenge for you today. What story does your integrity tell? Joseph was a man of integrity. He was righteous. Even though for the rest of his life he would have this kind of label. He's a man of integrity. Uncompromising man of faith. What story does your integrity tell? Let's move on to the shepherds. Lesson number three, shepherds, an awesome opportunity for the less than desirable. Jordan, will you please read for us Luke 2, 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. If you are over the age of 30, I want you to reminisce for just a moment. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? You remember? What did you want to be when you grew up? Think about that for just a moment. You know, I had a period of time that I wanted to be a policeman. I had a period of time that I wanted to be a fireman. I had a period of time that I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to, to be a mechanic, even though I'm really disastrous in that arena of life. At that time, it was kind of a dream. And we all have dreams. We all think, man, when I grow up, I want to be blank. And I bet with some of the children or even teens that are here, you kind of have that dream in, in the back of your mind. You know, 10 years from now, I want to be and fill in the blank. Can I tell you that in the first century world, there was nobody that said, when I grow up, I want to be a shepherd. I mean, nobody said that, okay? They wanted no part of it because the shepherds were considered kind of the, the scum of the earth. And that's harsh. That's probably too harsh. 
but they were just kind of those people that, that hung out with the animals and slept with the animals and c- couldn't even have regular relationships because they were always out in the fields and these kind of undesirables are the ones that get the news what's that about he wasn't telling the kings he wasn't telling the governors he wasn't telling the upstanding religious people of the day now the angels go and they bless the shepherds the undesirables of the first century world and they receive the same command that mary received and joseph received and their command is do not be afraid don't be afraid now the reason that they were afraid was a little different from why mary was afraid because she's 15 and she's pregnant and she can't explain it or why joseph was afraid because he owned the carpentry shop and he's a sadiq and he knows that people are going to stop coming by these guys were afraid because it's the middle of the night and they're sleeping and the next thing you know it's close encounters of the third kind i mean there's angels singing and there's lights and uh, i just it's crazy so they they literally are afraid They're literally wondering what is happening to them. Is the world coming to an end? But following the command of do not be afraid, the angel pours out incredible news for them. I've got good news. It's of great joy, and it's for some of the people. Is that what the text says? No. She said it's for all the people. Today, in Bethlehem, a child has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And here's the sign. Here's how you're going to know it. There's a little baby and he's wrapped in claws and he's lying in a manger. He's lying in a trough that the animals eat out of. And so go to Bethlehem. It's kind of a small town and there may be babies different places, but if there's a baby in a feeding trough, he's the one. And so these shepherds are just, they're, they're like, is it a dream? Did we have too much vino last night? And, you know, it's kind of one of those visions. What, what's going on here? And they realize, no, no, this is legit. We need to get up and we need to go see what's happening in Bethlehem. And so they go and it's exactly as they had been told. Verse 17 says, when they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They spread the word. They spread the word. Now, these weren't the popular people. We don't have any homecoming kings or homecoming queens in this crowd, more than likely. But they didn't care. They're spreading the word. They're saying, yeah, we were hanging out with the the flock at night. And then it was like choir cantata time. And it was awesome. And there were bright lights. And we found out what it all means. A Savior has been born. There's hope for all of us. Whether you're a shepherd or a governor or someone in between, there is hope for you. And so what's our takeaway from the shepherds? Our takeaway, really twofold, but one question I want to throw out to you is this. Are we willing to go and tell? Are you willing to go and tell? I think we've kind of bought a cultural lie. And here's the cultural lie. I can't really communicate my faith. I need to just keep my faith to myself. I can talk about my favorite baseball team if I want to. I I can talk about politics if I want to. I can talk about how I don't like this or I don't like that about my country or my state or even my community. But when it comes to faith, I just, just quiet down enough already. I just need to keep it to myself. The shepherds didn't keep it to themselves. And this Christmas season, can I challenge you 
not to keep it to yourself. I told you earlier, people's spiritual antennas are kind of on high alert this time of the year. Man, make the most of the opportunity. I've been so proud of some of you. I've noticed lately on Facebook, Facebook, some of you have really stepped out in faith. You've risked. You've said, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to share about Jesus. I'm going to tell what my faith is all about. And that's one way to do it. Another way is just simply reach out and love. What are you doing Christmas Eve? What are you doing Christmas Day? Come worship with me. Come fellowship with me. Come spend time with me. Will you go and tell? And that brings us to our fourth uh, set of people in our uh, Christmas nativity this morning. It's the Magi outsiders who were undeterred in their mission to bless. And Morgan's going to come and she is going to read Matthew 1, 1 through 12. And I'm going to pray. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, Magi, we sing that hymn, We Three Kings of Orient Are. And I, mean, I love that song, but it's probably incorrect because they probably weren't kings, and we don't know if there were three or four or two or five. We don't know how many of them there were. We do know they brought three gifts, and that was awesome. But who were the Magi? Well, they're probably astrologers more than likely. But this much we do know about them. They were true outsiders. They were way outside the faith. And in the first century world, it really was about, are you an insider or are you an outsider? Are you an insider like Joseph, where you're a Sadiq and you know the law and you live the law and you love the law? Or are you an outsider? Are you a Gentile? Are you someone that just has absolutely nothing to do with the God that we worship? So you really had this kind of exclusive nature unfolding and it's the Magi, the outsiders, the astrologers. The people that, that, that didn't worship, who Joseph and Mary worshipped, that sought after the newborn king with literally all of their heart. They, they were undeterred. They would not be stopped. They were on a mission, and they would not accept failure. No way, no shape, no form. And so when we see them, we, we see this, this question that they ask Herod, 
and they ask the religious leaders, where is this one born the king of the Jews? They want to find him. And it's their mission, and they will not compromise. And so for us today, do we have that passion to seek after Jesus? And you say, well, I'm in church. I'm doing church things. I'm going to classes, and I'm, I'm writing my tithe, and I'm singing the songs, and I put Christmas by the book on Facebook, but, but are we really seeking Jesus? Let me give you some goals, whoever you are. If you're someone that says, I know a little bit about the Bible, but I'm not really in the Word, let me make a challenge to you. Be in the Word every day in 2016. Even if it's one chapter, be in the Word every day. You're seeking after Jesus. If you're someone that you're at church some of the time, but you're not at church all the time, and it's really hard because Sunday's my day off, and I like to sleep in, and you know, I like to watch Meet the Press, and I like to do this and that, you know, next year, I'm just I'm going to make a commitment that worship is going to be a part of my regular activities. If you're someone that's kind of doing faith all by yourself, you're just kind of going solo, and you've never allowed yourself to be vulnerable, spiritually speaking, you're just kind of doing it solo. Make a commitment to be in a group, whether it's a community group or a Bible school group, or maybe you start a group that gathers together and allow yourself to really be stretched as you seek after Jesus. The Magi sought him with all of their hearts, and they finally found him, and what did they do? They bowed down, and they worshiped Jesus, and then they presented him with gifts the gold and the incense, some versions say frankincense and myrrh. Do you know Jesus or do you love Jesus? You know, when you bow down, it's a sign of submission. And it's kind of weird. You know, we don't feel like I feel kind of weird right now bowing down. I don't know that I've ever bowed down during a sermon before, but you know, if I really bow down like this, it's really weird and the microphone's muffled, but it, it's a sign of submission. It's a sign that I'm not awesome. No matter what I'm wearing, I'm not awesome. But God, you are awesome. Jesus, you are awesome. And these astrologers, we've all seen the nativity scenes. They're probably dressed immaculately. Very, very wealthy people. They had it all. And they bowed down. And they worshiped Jesus. Even though they weren't even part of the Jewish religion. Does that define where you're at? Does that define where we're at? Or have we bought into the cultural lie that it's all about our achievement? It's all about who I am, who we are, what we've achieved in this world. My takeaway question for you here is simply this. What limits you in your quest of following after Jesus? What, what holds you back? And what are you going to do about it? Will it just be, that's life as it is? Or will you go the extra mile? Will you be willing to say, I'm going to seek Jesus like never before? And my life is going to be one strong testimony of bowing down and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Bottom line, it's Nativity Sunday, and we really are not that far from Bethlehem when we cherish Jesus in our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. We love you. We thank